When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Friday edition of Clay and Buck starts right now, everybody. Thanks for being here with us. We have much to discuss with you. Uh, over 6,000 uh, bombs have been dropped on Gaza in the uh, aftermath of the mass casualty terror attack perpetrated by Hamas. Um, we'll get into the latest there, including the warning from uh, the state of Israel that over a million Palestinians should evacuate the northern Gaza Strip within the next 24 hours. Plus, Hamas has called for a global day of rage. And so a lot of counter-terrorist units around the world, a lot of major cities, particularly in the West, uh, escalated police presence at a whole range of sites. Down in D.C. on Capitol Hill, staffers are notified, have been notified about enhanced operations because of the uh, leadership of Hamas, again, calling for this Day of Rage, uh, synagogues in places like New York and, and Florida are, uh, some of them are considering shutting down today or uh, they have additional security procedures uh, in place. I want to talk to you about that. And then some, some other news stories on the radar. Um, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement has put out an official number uh, of how many migrants have entered the U.S., illegally under the Biden administration up to this point. 
And then uh, something else. The former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has some thoughts on what Democrats are trying to do in, well, pretty much every city. And uh, we'll talk more about this later, but I'm coming to you actually from uh, South Bend, Indiana right now. Um, Clay, here's the situation. Uh, the First of all, we're, we're on a bit of a high alert here in a lot of places. The major uh, cities that have been traditional targets of terror in the past, New York, Washington, D.C., um, obviously the American Jewish community particularly concerned on the day of rage. Uh, meanwhile, the IDF, with its 300,000 reservists who have been called up, are, it seems, about to go into a ground campaign to clear Gaza out of Hamas elements as as thoroughly as it can, capture kill missions all over uh, Gaza. So we'll we'll see as that unfolds. It is likely to be a, a difficult campaign that will take uh, days, perhaps weeks. Um, but in the meantime, Clay, a, a reminder that there are still elements of the global jihad all over the world, and it's bringing me back to my days in NYPD intelligence and the CIA's counterterrorism center, where we're all feeling a bit of of a, a state of alert, a state of uh, anxiousness at the possibility of some kind of solidarity attacks, follow-on attacks, copycats, those sorts of things. Yeah, I was on the phone, Buck, this morning, um, and uh, I talked to a couple of different friends who have kids that attend Jewish schools um, on the East Coast, both in New York and in Florida, and they have got, um, right now, added security that are standing outside of those schools because of concerns that with what's going on in Gaza and what's going on in Israel and the potential call for violence around the world in the United States, that Jewish schools could be targeted. Um, and one of my guys that I talked to this morning said uh, when his wife drove by, there was a, a soldier with a machine gun uh, standing outside of the school. Uh, and I, I talked to a couple of people in Florida who are friends uh, that have kids go to Jewish schools, they said that they have extra security that is outside of those schools to get ready for anything that might occur. Um, and I saw someone tweeting earlier today that, good credit to him, I'm sure that there are other governors around the country doing this, but I saw it in particular, that Ron DeSantis had put um, police officers, ensured that police officers in Florida were sitting outside of Jewish schools today with added security. Do you ever wonder, who's the good guys? Uh, it's not the people that are forcing Jewish schools all over America to have more security than they ordinarily would. And these schools oftentimes are even more secured than certainly any schools uh, on average are all over the country because of concerns about anti-Semitism. And I used to think that we were all kind of a lie, Buck, in believing that discriminating against Jewish people is is awful and indefensible. And I bet you, uh, and certainly I did growing up, and then I went to a, a school with a huge Jewish population at GW, the amount of time that we spent studying the Holocaust was uh, pretty substantial. And from an age of you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, all the way through college, it was a huge part of the instruction, I think, of anybody who went uh, to school in that era. And the number one question you know we got to ask Buck, how could this have ever happened? How in relatively civilized times 
1940s, not that long ago. A lot of people out there have friends and family members who were born in the 1940s who remember World War II and the Holocaust. How could this have ever happened in living memory? And I couldn't believe it, Buck, but what's happening now, I can see. Because there's lots of people who have evil in their hearts and will move when given the opportunity to uh, to endorse and react to that evil as it pertains to how Jewish people are treated. Um, yes, anti-Semitism has been around a lot longer, as you know, going back really thousands of, of years at this point. Uh, whether you're talking about pogroms or the expulsion of Jews from Spain or, I mean, there's so many periods all throughout history. Um, we are most familiar with the last hundred years or so of, of anti-Semitism. But to your point, we live in a time where one of the one of the things that is you are most unified about we're supposed to be most unified about in the west is the uh the hatred the um discrimination against people for innate immutable central characteristics right so we know in the west is there a greater crime than racism for example in our no. society and we're all we're all united on 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 this and yet on the issue of anti-Semitism, what we've seen here is a, a whole range of either outright support for it, which I think has been uh, particularly jarring and, and horrifying to people, given what just happened in Israel a few days ago. And and then also a lot of, well, I don't support Hamas, but I also support the Palestinian cause. And I, you know, th- th- this or on the one hand, on the other hand, I mean, I can I can assure you that as Israel is preparing here for this major ground invasion, and it's going to be a difficult, bloody, and and uh, ugly process, as all wars are. There will be civilian casualties. Israelis will try to limit those to their greatest ability, as they always do. Remember, if Israel wanted to, I mean, this is I think sometimes worth setting as uh, the expectations or the outer outer sort of framework of this discussion if israel wanted to level the entirety of gaza i mean every single structure that exists there it could do so it's not going to do so because it's going to go after hamas and militant elements so if the roles were reversed however as we know if hamas were in a in a place where it could destroy the entirety of tel aviv um hamas would do so and think that it was righteous in in the cause so there's no moral equivalency to be had between the two sides in this conflict. Um, but I do think what we're going to see in the, in the days ahead are a lot of people who have been perhaps a little quiet or, or even a little supportive, but a little quiet about the atrocity that Hamas, the mass atrocity that Hamas committed. And then they're going to switch to all of a sudden every casualty, including those that are induced by Hamas. Hamas, as we know, wants there to be more civilian casualties, wants there to be more, quote, martyrs in this process. Um, there'll be a lot of people here at home in the West, in America, who say, see, Israel is doing what it always does. It overreacts, or Israel is not using uh, commensurate force for what happened here. So you're going to hear some of that um, in the days ahead. And, and I think right now, you know, people are just on edge, uh, Clay, in general. I'm not a superstitious person, uh, but it is Friday the 13th, as we know. A day of rage has been called for. There have been some uh, violent riots, and there have been some violent attacks, but nothing on a mass terror scale yet today. 
But uh, the world is on edge, and I think it's in large part because we've been reminded by Hamas of the depth of evil that does exist in this world and its willingness to, uh, or its ability to be unleashed at a moment's notice. Yeah, no doubt. And and what I would say in general is certainly you should always be aware of your surroundings. But I think if you change your behavior for fear of being a victim of terror, then you are in many ways allowing the terrorists to win because what they want to do is change our behavior and attack the freedoms that make America the greatest country that's ever existed in the history of the world. And so I understand there's a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of nervousness. I just said I think it's smart to have added security at Jewish schools, for instance, right now, I would keep that security for probably months into the future because I don't think this is going to be fast. And I think everybody out there needs to prepare themselves, Buck, as you just said, as we prepare for Israel to really go in to Gaza and go after Hamas in an aggressive way. Prepare yourselves for the likes of viral disinformation that you may have never seen before because there is going to be this moral equivalency of, oh, well, these young babies got killed in Israel, and now look at what's happened with the bombing. This is a young child that died in Palestine. These are her parents. It's awful. War is hell, as I believe uh, William Sherman said uh, succinctly back in the days of the Civil War. But when you start a war, you don't don't then get to run and hide and blame the other side for the consequences of you starting this war. Uh, Hamas made this decision. I think they made the decision to a large extent, Buck, and I haven't seen this discussed a lot, to try to end normalization of relations that were appeared to be close between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and now that's on hold, and it seems unlikely that that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think the timing on this is coincidental. Uh, but prepare yourself for an onslaught of social media. Look, look at what the Jews did. They're awful. The Palestinians are the real victims. And I don't think this is going away anytime soon because I think we've allowed this victim culture, this anti-colonization concept. Let me just say this. I mean, I, 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 I bet you agree with me, Buck, and maybe this is a longer form discussion. Western civilization and colonization in general have benefited people around the world. Like I don't even buy into the idea that the idea of colonies back in the day somehow made everything worse for the people who were living in those colonies. I think Western civilization in general, was it uh, certainly imperfect? Were there uh, mass casualty events, deaths? Yes. But on some total, uh, the the value of the civilization brought to bear in many of these societies exceeds yeah. what the cost was. And, and it's like and you it, can't even say that anymore in many parts of uh, academia. And it brings me back to something else you won't often hear people talk about, uh, but that is the history of Islam is a history of colonial conquest as well. It's just colonial conquest under uh, the banner of a crescent moon and a religious belief. But this, the, uh, there's a whole bunch of the region, you know, where where the Palestinians yeah. are now. It used to be something called the Byzantine Empire. It used to be Christian. In fact, there are some very famous mosques now that used to be. Eastern, uh, Eastern Orthodox Christian cathedrals. So if we're going to do this historical claim to land thing, I think we might want to be a little bit more precise in our history. And if we're going to talk about expansionist powers and colonialism, you'll have to explain what exactly was going on in this part of the world in the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh centuries and so on. So, um, but most importantly for right now, we're just hoping that, uh, today passes without major incident. 
uh, here in the West at home in America, and and also Clay that the Israeli operation, which is as just as any just war could be, uh, is 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 efficient, is fast, minimizes civilian casualties and captures or kills uh, Hamas fighters and Hamas leadership, which is the stated goal of Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli state. I want to take some of your calls on this as well. Um, and I want to, I'd say I, I reiterate with Clay, I mean, I used to do counterterrorism for a living. Um, don't be afraid. You know, be smart, but don't be afraid is always the way to approach this. Uh, the Statistically, the chances of something like this being a, a problem for any one individual is such that you have to go about living your life um, but just maintain situational awareness the same way you always would. But there's no need for fear. There's no need for anxiety here at America right now. Put this on your calendar. Friday through Sunday, December 1st through 3rd in Tampa, Florida. It's the Invest Wealth Summit. I'm going to be there. So will Tucker Carlson, Lisa Booth, and a whole lineup of really interesting speakers. If you want to learn how to create financial freedom and security for your future, then you need to be at the Invest Wealth Summit. Get your tickets at investwealthsummit.com today. This event is organized by Dutch Mendenhall and his company, Rad Diversified. Dutch has done well for himself in real estate investing, and he's interested in sharing his success path with you. You're going to learn how to diversify your portfolio without relying solely on Wall Street. Explore alternative investments, gain access to unique opportunity and hidden gems, uncover untapped potential in real estate startups and innovative technologies, learn how to reduce your tax burden, and much more. Secure your seat at investwealthsummit.com today. Tickets will sell out fast, so make your plans, and I'll see you there. Learn and laugh. Weekdays with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons, One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. GovX donates a portion of every order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. Your orders make a meaningful impact. You can become a member in seconds. Signing up is fast and free. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. That's G-O-V-X.com. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX. 
That's GovX, code Clay, G-O-V-X-C-L-A-Y. Savings for those who serve. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. A couple of things, <clears throat> Buck. We talked about Harvard and how how would they respond to uh, all of the Hamas praise that has been occurring on their campus to the idea that Israel was the colonizer and that they were the offender. Speaking of which, just as a history lesson, Jews have been in Israel for a long time, right, Buck? Like, where do you draw the line? I, I, I find this whole concept of colonizing interesting because people have moved around the world for a long time. At least if you talk to uh, historians, we all are originally from Africa, right? Like humanity seems to have originated, at least based on uh, the, the the study of fossils and everything else. Somewhere in Africa. So wouldn't it be impossible to be a colonizer of Africa? If humanity itself started in Africa, then everyone who went back to Africa would be returning to the continent from which we all originally existed. I don't, I mean, I don't know if this I'm argument's going to get you very far, but. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think about it. Think saying. about it. If you, if you just adopt the argument of, for instance, let's use North America. The argument seems to be that because some people were in North America before other people were in North America, yeah. it's unacceptable for new people to come to North America. But just think about it. From an African yeah. perspective, everybody was there. And so everybody has to colonize literally the growth of humanity requires that we spread to multiple continents. So my point is, yeah. in, in Israel, the Jews have been in Israel for a very long time. So the whole idea of colonization, I just it, it's all absurd and relies upon drawing a line where you're like, well, this year was the original inhabitants. But where how far back do you draw the line? It doesn't make a logical sense in the first place and so the, yeah, I mean, that's so, my so argument the, the 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 when they talk about being anti-colonial they're referring to really at the start of the age of exploration with columbus and then the various conquistadors and then the european powers and the dutch east india company and I the, get it. you know british east india and british east india company and all these all these um initially mercantilist and then uh, increasingly 
military-backed uh, I get, seizures I get, of I care. get the argument, but you're drawing a line arbitrarily when they make that argument. Like, we've been colonizing the entire world since humanity left Africa in the first place. So you're drawing, they're drawing an arbitrary line in some form or fashion. Yes. Well, you know, borders are arbitrary lines as well, right? So at some yes. point, you know, a nation state is is a conception. It's not really a thing that exists beyond the belief of the people and their willingness to uh to and to abide by it and and enforce it. Um in the Jews in and uh, what is Israel, uh obviously you can go back and there's there's many books on this. Uh many people have books that go into some detail about how long the Jews have been in Israel. Quite a good historical record, in fact. There, there's a, yes, yes, there's a thorough, thorough history of Jews in uh, this part of the world, stretching back for a very long time. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, Clay, it, it, we also have to, you, you get to a point where the argument over historic claim to land or even religious claim to land becomes counterproductive to the reality of how do we have the best life possible with the people who are where they are today, as in the state of Israel is real, has a right to exist, has a right to defend itself, it has neighbors, how do we figure this thing out? Hamas rejects all of that, and this is why the the phrase they use is from the river uh, to the sea. Uh, they want the elimination of this particular state of the Jewish state and they want the elimination of the Jewish people along with it, or certainly their expulsion. So uh, they have no interest in a, a peaceful or, or a two-state solution, and that means that it's... And, and I think more than any other moment in, in certainly recent memory, this attack that Hamas has engaged in against the Israelis is a reminder uh, of that and solidifies that there's just no... There's no coexistence possible with Hamas because it's an entity that is devoted to not coexisting. It is an entity that is devoted to destruction and massacre and death. And it really is a, a death cult, actually, uh, in, in many ways. As I've described, they celebrate and, and treat as, as revered heroes the families of suicide bombers. I mean, think about that. That's official Hamas policy. Um, anyway, I, I, I think, Clay, that uh, the point about the colonialism and, and uh, expansionism also, as I've said, th- the lines are very arbitrary on this because you look at where some of the apostles were doing some of their best writing. Uh, these are places that are uh, no longer Christian and no longer doing some of their best uh, proselytizing, no longer Christian and have changed hands many times over. Um, the fight over history as a means of justifying what's going on today is endless. Uh, there's no way that that's ever going to solve anything. Um, all we can do is look at the reality of the world as it exists today in the Middle East and approach human beings as human beings with compassion, decency, and the application of, you know, rule of law and, and, uh, the most basic ethics. Israel tries to do that and does that. And I think Israel is an admirable state. Um, and, Hamas does not. Hamas is a terrorist entity. This is, you know, we are not the same as North Korea. North Korea is a country. America is a country. We complain about our government a lot. We are far more. Our government is far more moral 
you know, Nancy Pelosi and Fetterman and the rest of them, they are infinitely better human beings than the Kim dynasty of North Korea. Like, just because two things are countries or political entities doesn't mean they're on the same moral plane. And the same is true. Uh, I know some people are like, Nancy Pelosi's worse than North Korea. That's not true. Okay, North Korea is worse than anything Nancy Pelosi has done. Harvard, which is where I was starting uh, this, we talked about it. What would Harvard say? Uh, the president of Harvard has put out a statement, Buck. I'm curious if they're going to apply it evenly going forward. Our university, as to why or what they're going to do with all of the people protesting in favor of Hamas and ridiculing and insulting uh, the idea of Israel as a state itself, Harvard put out a statement. Our university embraces a commitment to free expression. That commitment extends to views that many of us find objectionable or outrageous. We do not punish or sanction people for expressing such views. I would just say, let's see how consistent that policy is whenever there ends up being substantial protests against what they would call favored groups. And Buck associated with this, LeBron James... We talked about how a lot of celebrities have been very quiet in terms of what they're saying. Well, there are, but there are some. Before you talk about LeBron, you've got 700 actors and Hollywood executives, Michael Douglas, Amy Schumer, many, many others, 700 of them, have put their name to an open letter condemning Hamas for barbaric acts of terrorism. Uh, that they say must be called out by everyone. So there are, there are some leftists who are, you know, in the public eye who are going against this. Anyway, you were saying LeBron James, where's he on all this? He, to his credit, uh, I think I saw Outkick had a story up. I'm not sure if it's changed, but only two of the ten, uh, most followed people on Instagram had said anything in favor of Israel. And LeBron was one of those people. Uh, and he said, uh, he basically condemned Hamas. I was in, I was interested in this buck because I went into the comments. LeBron is getting ripped uh, by all uh, by his followers. This thing has fifty seven thousand likes on Instagram. As a man who claims to have recently read the autobiography of Malcolm X and produced a film on Muhammad Ali, this is utterly disgraceful. Google the stances of the honorable men on the Israeli occupation of Palestine and reconsider this post that your agent probably wrote for you. You aren't even, this is Sean King, a fake black guy, you aren't even going to mention the 200,000 Palestinians who've lost their homes. Thousands have been slaughtered. Babies and toddlers are being blown to bits by bombs from Israel. And this is all you have to say. You know what? Shut up and dribble. Did you write the first time? I'm sorry I was ever a fan. Um, I mean, I think you have to read the autobiography of Malcolm X all over again. You might have missed the entire thing. What a shame. Man, you're tone deaf. You are misusing your fame and power to support the wrong cause. Stick to sports. I mean, this is all of these comments at the top for LeBron Buck are ridiculing him for opposing the terror attack by Hamas. This infestation of the woke mind virus that has taken over in our country, I thought yesterday we said it uh, pretty well, Buck, reading, um, this is a clarifying moment for a lot of people. 
And I think there are going to be more and more people listening to this show. And if you're listening right now and you've got friends or family out there who suddenly are blown away by what leftist ideology has become, and maybe you hadn't seen it, right? We talked about this, Buck. If you're 65 or 70% of uh, people who are Jewish that have been voting for Democrats, I think a lot of those people are stunned by what they have seen. And I think there is a mass red pillization uh, of America that's happening in response to this terror attack. I don't think there'll be any switch in the voting patterns, just to be clear. I don't think you'll I think see there any might change. Be. I think there might be. I think there might be in, uh, in, in members out there of the Jewish faith. I think there's a lot of people who are stunned because in 30 or 40 but years, you have you to remember Joe, Joe Biden, Joe Biden has been solid on this issue in terms of his speech. Blinken has been solid on this. You know, it'd be, it, it, you'd be, I would agree with you if Ilhan Omar was president or, you know, the speaker of the house was Rashida Tlaib. Yes. Then I think you'd see. Well, let's Joe- see how long they stay super solid, Buck, because it's going to get nasty. Uh, George W. Bush actually said this recently, like when they go into Gaza, that propaganda is going to get taken to another level. And let's see how long the Biden, uh, wing of the Democrat party remains ascendant. Cause I think it's going to, I think the, Hey, let's just have peace talk is going to start to rise up if it hasn't already as soon as the consequences for what the what Hamas did begin to rain fully down upon Gaza. I think that's going to change. But we'll see. I hope it doesn't. Tunnel of the Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes who risk their lives to keep our communities and our country safe. Heroes like United States Marine Corps Captain and Pilot John Jeremy Sachs. Captain Sachs sustained fatal injuries when his military aircraft crashed during training, killing him and five other service members. He's remembered by loved ones as courageous, brilliant, and devoted to his career, family, and friends. Sachs is survived by his wife, Amber, who gave birth to their second daughter three months after his death. Tunnel of the Towers paid the mortgage on the family home for Amber and their two daughters. The foundations helped over 1,000 military and first responder families navigate the worst of times by removing the board burden of a mortgage payment. And as I mentioned to all of you, I was in New York City on Tuesday uh, at a charity event where they raised over $2 million. Three different widows stood up and told their stories at that event, and it was incredibly powerful. The work that Frank Siller and his crew is doing cannot be underrated at all. It is necessary, it is just, and it is incredibly humane what they are doing. You can help donate, as I have done, as Buck has done, a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Clay and Buck, 24-7. Subscribe today. Third hour of Clay and Buck on this Friday kicks off right now. Uh, We're going to be talking more about the situation with Israel and its uh, imminent invasion of Gaza to bring the fight to the Hamas terrorists that engage in that mass casualty uh, atrocity days ago um we'll have updates for you throughout the sh- throughout the uh, remaining show on that um also wanted to bring some other news stories your way um as we have the there have been a couple of stabbings clay around the world so far for this day of rage and uh the day of rage has been called for by hamas leadership effectively they just want People to go out and commit brutal acts of violence in the, you know, anti-Semitic violence, anti-Western violence, 
Um, so far, I haven't seen, uh, and we are we are hoping and praying it continues this way today and well for all time. Haven't seen any uh, major attacks yet uh, in response to this. That said, there's a lot of concern out there. People are staying home from uh, synagogue. We're closing synagogues here in the states. NYPD on high alert. Many major cities have their police departments, their counterterror units uh, at an elevated alert status because of this, because tensions right now are running high in the uh, aftermath of the Hamas terror attack. Um, you know, Clay, one one other thing I, I wanted to point out here is we're looking at how secure can we be or how, how safe are we? You know, Immigrations and uh, Customs Enforcement has now uh, said for the record, this came out this week, that they've got 5.7 million migrants are here in the U.S. And it is the Biden administration's desire to provide medical services, housing, etc. for all of them. Uh, this will obviously be enormously expensive. New York City is bearing the brunt of its migrant surge right now in a way that, you know, it's, it's just breaking their budget. But I want to think about this from a border security perspective for a moment. Um, you know, we're, we're being told to be concerned because of the possibility here of what it doesn't just have to be Hamas. It could be, uh, groups or individuals tied to Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps and the Quds Force, which is their external operations arm uh, of the Iranian regime. It's really military slash intelligence slash terrorism that the IRGC excels in. It could be Hezbollah. Hezbollah has cells. We know Hezbollah has cells and activity all over the world. When you have a border that is so wide open that 7 million people have violated your sovereignty and come in, or what is the 6.3, I guess, is there? I'm sorry. 5.7, so 6 million people, give or take, because you have to add in the gotaways. Um, when you have a border that, that that is that wide open, that is understood by all clay to be the worst it has ever been, and then you have a moment where you wonder, what is our security situation like? What What kind of protections and precautions are in place for us? I think it's a reminder that border security is part of national security, and if you do not have a, never mind a good handle, if you have almost no handle on who's coming into your country, no real vetting, no real precautions in place to stop infiltration. And look, I, 99.9% of the people coming across the border are not, you know, not Hezbollah or Hamas terror. I understand that. But you don't need very many, as we've seen countless times, for there to be a mass casualty terror attack. It's clearly a security vulnerability, and it's one the Biden administration, I think, has no answers for. And it's going to happen at some point. And 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 I think Americans, Buck, are are slowly becoming uh, cognizant of that fact because was it Fox News poll that came out this week had 58 percent of people now in favor of a border wall, uh, which is the highest it's ever been, going all the way back to 2015 when Trump started the idea of building a border wall. The idea eight years later is now approaching 60% approval nationwide. And this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when it happens. There will be another terror attack in America. And based on having a wide open southern border and who we know is already entering that way, there is a very strong likelihood that at least some of the members of that mass terror attack 
will have illegally entered our country on the southern border. Just a matter of, in my opinion, it's a matter of when that happens, not if that happens, Buck. And when that does occur, there will be a massive rush to close our southern border. And people will all rise up and say, how did we ever allow this to happen? And you're already seeing that happen. We we talked about it on Monday as, to me, the number one story associated with the terror attack once it happened was, how does this happen? And it's something that we spent years, as you well know, unpacking uh, 9-11. Uh, what was the great book um, that was written? Looming Tower? Which one yeah. are you... I think that, that, that basically looked into the entire, uh, entire process by which that terror attack happened. Um, and we spent years figuring out how it happened. I suspect the same thing will happen in Israel. And it isn't crazy to predict that we are opening ourselves up to a massive terror attack based on the number of people that we're allowing who are likely to be dangerous to the average American. To that point you made about the um, fa- the understanding that they're going to eventually reach as to how this intelligence failure occurred. I mean, here's House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman. Uh, this is cut to uh, Michael McCall saying that Egypt actually gave some warning to Israel. Play two. We heard from the administration there seems to have been a failure of intelligence as well. And we're not quite sure how we missed it. We're not quite sure how Israel Missed it. We know that it, it, Egypt had warned the Israelis three days prior that an event, event like this could happen. We know that this had been planned perhaps as long as a year ago. Buck, you, when you worked in intelligence, I'm curious on this because that story that Egypt warned Israel that this could happen. And by the way, the book, I want to mention this. I, I'd also be interested in your, your take on the book, The Looming Tower by Lawrence Wright. We'll circle yeah. back to that in a sec. I think it's an incredible book. So I was read. right. That's the book you, you yes. had in mind. Yeah. Yes. The Looming Tower. If you're out there and you, you just kind of want a retrospective on how 9-11 happened because you're looking at what happened in Israel, I would really encourage everybody to go read that book. I mean, it's an incredible detailed examination of the rise of Al Qaeda and how they came to attack us on 9-11. But, when you worked in the CIA, Buck, and you did the president's briefing and you did all these different things, when you hear, hey, Egypt warned Israel that an attack like this might be happening, how often would you guys get warnings that never materialized? In other words, isn't it almost yeah. the case that there's constantly intelligence coming in that a particular attack could occur? So when it, when people circle back and they say, oh, well, they got a warning I mean, you're always getting warnings, right? I mean, and most of them do not materialize, I'm betting, but I'm curious if that's the case. There's, we would call it threat reporting, and there was a, a duty to warn principle where you would have to note threat reporting, pass it up the chain of command, take it, you know, approach it with seriousness, but the, it's not even the vast majority. Almost all threat reporting. 99% of threat reporting in, in, never materializes. That's I'm right. Betting. And, and so there's, there's a few things. One is you are trying to pick out, uh, something very specific from a, a fire hose stream of threat reporting information. You're, you're trying to get, you know, one droplet, uh, from that fire hose and you've got to get it right. And as I said, that that very chilling thing from the IRA, you have to be lucky always, right? The uh, Irish Republican Army terrorist group, um, they said that about Margaret Thatcher and about the, the British monarchy that they were uh, targeting at the time and the British parliament. Um, 
the threat reporting situation is not only are you inundated with threat reporting on a regular basis, especially if you're in a place, you're talking about something like Gaza, right? Uh, um, but beyond that, Clay, you need specificity to be able to take action based upon the threat reporting, right? You need, you need to be in a place, you need to have an, this is that, remember that famous, you know, Bin Laden determined to strike inside the United States? Yes. And that was supposed to be a big gotcha during the Bush administration. Okay. Well, how and where and why and when, you know, I mean, you go, you go down the list of, of those questions. Egypt warning Israel, even if this is accurate from foreign affairs chairman Michael McCall three days before the attack saying you're going to get hit. Okay, you can elevate your posture, but what you really needed to know is they're planning in this area to to fly, uh, you know, sort of low tech aircraft uh, gliders over the fence and then attack it with a specific. You know, you would need specificity because you can't just security that is elevated everywhere ends up being security that is diluted in its ability to actually have its uh, you know, proper effect. Having said that. And this is what we started talking about on Monday. The the amount of men and material that was necessary to mobilize for this attack, and to your point, Buck, paragliders, in theory you would have to test those paragliders somewhere, right? The idea of what you might have been planning, I, I would imagine, just like in the Looming Tower, that Lawrence Wright book that looked at all the failures and the rise of Al-Qaeda and how 9-11 happened, Someone at some point in the years ahead, and I don't think that book was published till like 2006, in six or seven years from now, someone is going to write the definitive story of how this came to happen. And I think a huge part of it, Buck, is going to be that Israel was divided, arguing over what Supreme Court, for people who haven't been paying attention to the politics of Israel, and I understand if a lot of you have not, They've been incredibly divided over this Netanyahu government and also over what powers their Supreme Court was going to have. Just like the United States, I'm afraid, Buck, is incredibly divided right now. And we're dividing, we're debating things that in the grand scheme of things are not that important, right? Like the idea that, uh, that Democrats could be claiming that, that men, uh, who decide to identify as women are women and that we have to fight over stupidity like this. Yeah is, I think, opening us up to vulnerability for far more significant attacks, my opinion. Well, and Hamas also had specifically taken a posture to to make it seem like it did not want to fight and that and that perhaps, perhaps... They played possum. There would be, yeah, there would be discussions of a constructive nature in some way at some unspecified time in the future with the Israeli government. So, you know, it's a little bit like... Um, I mean, you saw this in the Second World War, for example. There would be uh, surrender. This was notable among the surrendering Japanese troops, where they would they would wave a white, literally wave a white flag and surrender, and then they would um, uh, uh, hit you know grenades. Uh, they they would pull the pins on grenades and kill the Americans who were coming to take them prisoner. It's kind of you know what what Hamas did here is okay, okay. You know, let's let's take a different approach. We don't want to fight. Actually, we're going to kill as many of you as we possibly can. Um, it's really uh, the the level of evil again, the level of depravity. It is that uh, they took it to the absolute maximum with this one. I mean, they went as far as they possibly could in all respects. The um, the dishonesty in their diplomacy, the 
uh, viciousness and the sadism in the attack itself. Uh, this is, look, it's, it's, there's a reason they're saying it's like Israel's 9-11. It's unlike anything that they've seen certainly in, in 50 years. And, um, the consequences for this must be, this demands a massive response and the consequences must be severe. And so this is where we are all heading. We see this and, and we're going to continue to, to follow this, um, closely. Uh, if you have thoughts on it, 800-282-2882. Look, we all take steps to protect ourselves from, you know, pickpockets, you know, how we carry our belongings. If you're in an area, it's really crowded, you know, one of those touristy areas, perhaps overseas when you're traveling, you know, you're not going to have your wallet with all your money just hanging out of your back pocket. But what about cyber pickpockets? Hackers steal information from databases and then gain access to your bank account or credit cards. Well, you can protect yourself with LifeLock by Norton. Your personal information gets exposed so often, making it easy for a cyber pickpocket to steal your identity. Their online systems spot identity threats you won't see on your own because you don't have their sophisticated technology. When they spot evidence of wrongdoing, they're in touch with you immediately. You confirm or deny if there's a problem. And if there is, a LifeLock restoration expert will help you to fix it. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to lifelock.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. Protect your online identity and your time with LifeLock. The peace of mind alone is worth it. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. We're proud supporters of those who serve our country and our local communities. That includes our military, law enforcement, firefighters, emergency medical professionals, and other government service personnel. There's an American company whose entire mission is built around serving these individuals, GovX.com. If you've served our country in one of these ways, go to GovX.com and join the community today. It's fast, easy, and totally free. GovX members get access to unbeatable discounts from thousands of trusted brands that want to honor your service. Brands like Oakley, Vortex Optics, Yeti, Under Armour, and many more. You'll also save big on sports tickets, entertainment, and travel. GovX.com is a one-stop shop for everything you need on or off-duty. A portion of every order goes towards nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. More than 8 million people are already saving every day through GovX. Visit GovX.com and use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, 
believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. All right, it's Friday. It's the afternoon. It's been a... It's been quite a week, everybody. Um, so we wanted to take a moment here and and uh, speak to our friend Doug Brunt about something that we could all just take a, take a breather, take a moment to relax and think about something interesting, something out of the immediate news cycle here for a second. Doug is a historian, novelist, and author of a uh, host of the uh, podcast Dedicated. Uh, his latest book, New York Times bestseller, is The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel, the true story of the inventor of the diesel engine who disappeared on the eve of World War One. Thank you for being with us, Doug. Appreciate it. Great to be with you guys, and I'm, I'm happy to pivot us into something else. Yeah, no, we we all we all could use it, uh, you know. For we all need a, a moment here. So, to, so tell us about this. I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know anything about this mysterious case of Mr. Rudolph Diesel. So, walk us through some of well, what's going on here. Give us the overview. I'll, I'll give you the setup. So I, I, like many, didn't know there was someone behind diesel. I know the word diesel, and like most people, I was misspelling it with a lowercase d all these years. But reviewers are calling this book the, the greatest caper of the 20th century, and it really is this incredible piece of, of hidden history. So on September 29, 1913, Rudolf Diesel is traveling from Belgium to Great Britain on an overnight passenger ferry, and in the night, he disappears. He's supposed to meet his companions for breakfast in the morning, and he doesn't show up, so they hold the ship at sea. They search the ship. All they find are his hat and his coat folded by the rail at the stern of the ship, seeming to mark where he went overboard. And it's hard to put into terms now because he was a huge celebrity at the time. The history of the man has really been paved over, as you say. But it would be like Elon Musk hopping on a flight to Nantucket and then disappearing and how bananas the news would go. That's how it was then. It was the cover of the New York Times, cover of the papers in London, Western Europe, all through Russia wondering about this crazy disappearance of the great inventor. And while they presumed suicide, two murder theories also popped into the headlines. One was that he was murdered by Kaiser Wilhelm II, the emperor of Germany. The other was that he was murdered by John Rockefeller, founder of Standard Oil, richest man in the world. The reason Wilhelm may have done it, and the Germans, is we're at the peak of the Anglo-German naval arms race. And by 1913, right before World War I, the diesel engine had emerged as the only engine that could power a submarine or a U-boat. Kerosene and gasoline engines wouldn't work. It had to be diesel. So the navies of every major European power are scrambling for diesel expertise. Rudolph is still the main guy to deliver it. And the reason he was traveling across the North Sea to England on that day was because he was going to be co-founder and board director of a new diesel engine manufacturing company 
whose mandate it was to build diesels for the Royal Navy submarine program. So you can imagine the Kaiser was not having that. The reason Rockefeller may have wanted to kill him was that Diesel was advocating that his engine could run on any fuel. It could run in vegetable oil, nut oil, coal tar, or even really cheap petroleum. And he had been in America in 1912 and said, I can break the American fuel monopoly, and I don't need a law to do it. I don't need the Sherman Antitrust Act to do it. I can do it with the power of my technology, because the diesel engine has such a range of flexibility with regard to fuels. And so he posed an existential threat to Rockefeller and Standard Oil as well. Doug, when you examine this mystery, and thanks for coming on, do you, and I'm not asking you to give away the book, but by the end of the book and all your research and everything else that you were doing in it, did you have in your own mind a thesis about what you think is the most likely, or do you think writing a book a 100 years some odd later, it's almost impossible to reach any kind of conclusion? I'm just wondering, kind of investigating a mystery like this, whether your mind kind of changed and shifted as you wrote, whether you reached something that you feel is the most likely outcome, how the process of writing this book impacted your thoughts on what was likely to have occurred. I had an early theory of the case because there were such gaping holes in every other theory. If you if you look it up in Encyclopedia Britannica, it says suicide, but there are so many obvious holes with that. Now, as you say, he disappeared almost 110 years ago to the day. It's, it's a, the, the anniversary just passed. So it is a circumstantial case. It's actually almost easier in some ways to piece together a circumstantial case now than it was in the years immediately following it because I can go and do what I would call library research and pull together newspaper headlines from Berlin, London, New York, Munich, and find all these contradicting things showing up in the news from my without having to leave my screen at my desk. You know, back in 1930, you'd have to run around to these different cities and go through cabinets of newspapers. Now all that stuff is scanned, and more is scanned every day. But in addition, even contemporary murder cases are largely solved through circumstantial evidence. It's very rare that you have someone who says, I saw the knife go in and he did it to that person. And by the way, that, that kind of witness testimony is usually the least reliable anyway. So most murder cases actually solved circumstantially anyway. I, pre- I put this whole case together. I then showed it to former FBI, former CIA, and former British Intel, and they all said a thousand percent this is what happened. <clears throat> so without giving it away, as, as you say, I, the most I usually say is it wasn't suicide. It wasn't suicide. Huh. Interesting. Well, that is quite a, that is quite a tease. Well, the book for everybody is the mysterious case of Rudolf Diesel, the true story of the inventor of the diesel engine who disappeared on the eve of World War One. We we're actually just talking about World War One a minute ago. The author is Doug Brunt. Doug, best of luck to you on the book, which I know is already selling really well. Hope some folks will get copies. And uh, do you do you know what your next subject is, or have you decided you're not gonna you're not set on it yet well i'll, I'll tell you this. one thing i love about this period this quarter century before <clears throat> world war one the cast of characters is amazing so in this book there's adolphus bush who, who licensed a diesel america a diesel engine in america to power his breweries and at anheuser-busch winston churchill plays a huge role the nobel family in russia so i love this quarter century before world war one the next book as for as it is for many writers like one writer's footnote can be another writer's whole book there's a footnote in this book that will likely be my own next book and will stay in this time period. Doug, we just had a question, last question for you, actually, now that you mentioned that. Um, a, a caller called in and said, hey, would you analogize the current situation that we're in today 
uh, with what's going on in Europe and what's going on in Israel with anything that connects to World War One. Based on your research, does it feel historically analogous in any way to you in that sort of perilous way where everything was kind of working towards? The, the advantage historians have is we know where the story goes. Here I'm asking you to predict. Does that historical analogy or illusion feel to you in any way apropos or not? Well, you know, one of the things that was happening in the end of the 1800s is social Darwinism was a, becoming a dominant theory. So in the way that biological Darwinism works, you know, sort of the survival of the fittest, social Darwinism was this thought that if you're the superior race or society, that not only is it okay for you to sort of take over someone else, but it's your moral duty because that's how the species is supposed to go. So one society, if you are stronger than another, it's your it's your moral duty to go take someone else over. And, uh, you know, that's largely been thrown away, although it, it did lead in some ways to, to you know, some of the, the strife building into World War One. But that it, there's almost that same crazy dynamic at play here where they feel like it's like a moral duty to go eradicate an, another society. Um, so you see that a little bit. I mean, the, the diesel engine did play – uh, a role in some of that because it became such a, a, a critical implement of war. There, there would be no submarine warfare in World War One or Two without diesel. Um, so there, there are elements of that in the book that I think are a little bit at play in the Middle East now. Good the stuff. The book is The Mysterious Case of Rudolf Diesel. Doug Brunt, thanks, you for, uh, thanks for being here with us. Appreciate you. What a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Look, a lot of people out there right now, Buck, 50% lower testosterone than their fathers, their grandfathers might have had. Lowest testosterone level White House probably ever in history. How about getting some male vitality back in your life? How about all natural chalk male vitality stack? Look, I could run through all the carefully researched ingredients, but two things. One, I'm not smart enough to even understand all of it. Two, uh, it would sound like super high level chemistry analysis. And frankly, I didn't do that well in chemistry back in the day, but just know Thousands and thousands of hours gone into the formulation and production, and the end result is men are getting better at having high levels of testosterone. In fact, if you use this product for three months, your testosterone level all naturally will go up 20%. And that's why I would tell you to check out Chalk and the Male Vitality Stack. CHOQ.com is the website. CHOQ.com, spelled with a Q, 35% off all subscriptions for life if you use my name when you visit this website. Go check it out, choq.com. My name, Clay, in the purchase price, 35% off for life. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Find every podcast as they're released and listen. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on but we do it without the left-wing media spin listen to armstrong and getty on demand on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 